Hello, I'm Mercedes. And I'm Tash. And you're listening to episode 13 of Chat Disney. to Chat Disney. This week we are going to be looking at the experimental era of Disney animation. We also have a very special segment of Ohana for you all lined up at the end of this episode. But before we get into all of that, let's have a quick look at what's been happening in the world of Disney this week. So this week, our pal Mickey has been on a deep sea exploration in Epcot. Uh, he's been snorkeling. Ooh. So in the water tanks that they have in Epcot in Walt Disney World in Florida, um, you can check the videos out online. They have it on various social media accounts. I've seen it on Twitter. Um, yeah, Mickey, obviously face character Mickey, has a snorkel and is plunged and submerged <laughs> in the waters of Epcot. Does, how does, I'm trying to I imagine how that works. Did he have like a snorkel? Yeah, he has like a snorkel and stuff and like bubbles come out of the snorkel so I don't, oh. I, I really don't understand how that works but it's really cool. Disney magic in action it once again. Magic, for sure. <laughs> in other news, it is Donald Duck's 85th birthday or sorry, it was yesterday. Um, some of the parks across the globe have been celebrating this in different ways. Um, Paris did a special event, for example. I know in Shanghai as well, they've done things like Donald's kind of taken over leading the parade and kind of they've had a special Donald show with the big band that play in front of the castle. Um, They've also had merchandise and special themed food as well to celebrate our favourite duck. Cool, cool. Um, we've also this week had a new Lion King trailer launched. We finally get to hear the vocal stylings of Beyonce as Nala, mm. um, which Tash and I have kind of expressed our apprehension about this movie. And I don't think this new trailer has kind of given us much more confidence, to be honest. I'm not sure how I feel about Simba. No, um, I think I think I'll I'll have more of a an opinion once I've seen it in the whole scheme of scheme in the whole grand scale of the film. Yeah, grand scheme of things. Yeah, the grand scheme of the film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. No, um, that's fine. No, I agree. I think we both thought that Will Smith as the genie was going to be a car crash, and absolutely true. we're both completely wrong about that. So yeah, maybe Beyonce will surprise us all. Exactly. And finally, the D23 exhibition that is happening in August this year, they've just announced that they're having a new Heroes and Villains costume exhibition. Um, So this is going to feature costumes from Disney's entire catalogue of films, um, including some of the latest ones, so the new Aladdin, Mary Poppins. Um, I think they've got over 70 costumes um, and you kind of go through and you're going to start off in Cinderella's um, workshop and that's going to be a gallery that features kind of a lot of the old iconic traditional fairy tale costumes and then you kind of walk through so if you are lucky enough to be going this year do check it out I wish they had more like D23 stuff that was international I know because I would love to be a member but it's just not plausible for me to go to LA and go to any of these events yeah I feel like they need to do like they could so easily do like a London I'm surprised that they don't yeah maybe it's something that's in the pipeline who knows so that's basically everything that has been happening in the world of Disney this week we're now going to move on to the main part of the episode chatting about the experiment era of Disney. So the experimental era of Disney is probably my least favourite um, period of Disney animation. It's quite poignant that this is our 13th episode, I feel. I was thinking that earlier as well. I was literally thinking that. I'm lucky for some. Mm, I'm lucky for Disney. So the experimental era was a time that came directly after the Renaissance period. So if you listen to our last episode, we wrapped up in 1999 with the release of Tarzan. The first film in this era was Fantasia 2000, obviously released in the year 2000. So we're going to be chatting about that and then working our way right up to the end of the kind of early noughties to Bolts, um, which was the last movie released in this period. So as I've said, uh, this is my least favourite period. How do you feel about it, Tash? I would agree. I think when we did our Bronze Age episode, I said that the bronze was my worst. And then when I was looking through the films of the uh, experimental era, 
the other day I realised that actually there's some shocking work in there. Definitely. Uh, there's a couple of films in there I really like, and we'll, we'll get to that. But um, for the most part, yeah, it's just, it's not a strong, it wasn't a strong time for Disney, was it? Those eight years or however long it was. I mean, Pixar was doing very well, which I think maybe is part of the issue of why, you know, we were kind of more into Pixar and things like The Incredibles and Monsters, Inc. came out and those all films all did very, very successfully. And then on the other hand, the Disney releases, just most of them were just absolute box office flops. Yeah, I think at this time, this was kind of when Tash and I were in our sort of early teenage years, I kind of really fell out of love with Disney um, without realising, I guess, because I was very actively interested in Pixar and I was still going to Disney theme parks. Um, Tash and I actually first became friends, I believe, watching Finding Nemo at the we cinema. Did, we did, Yeah, your, your um, dad booked tickets. We were in a group of those seven girls that were all friends at high school and your dad had booked us all tickets. And I remember I thought that, <laughs> I thought it was because it was your birthday. Yeah, you did. Um, and you bought me a cuddly toy of squirt. <laughs> I don't remember yeah. that. Oh, so I actually bought you a present. I don't think you gave it to me then. I think you came and you were like, I forgot your present. And I was like, what do you mean? And you were like, it's your birthday. And I was like, no, it's not. Oh, that's that's really embarrassing, <laughs> yeah. isn't it? My birthday was about two weeks later, though. Okay, well, you forgive my 13-year-old brain for being confused. That's fine. Yeah, <laughs> good, good. But that's how we became friends. I remember Tash saying, like, I want to sit next to Mercedes at the cinema. Yeah. And I remember being like, that means she's my friend. <laughs> um, but we're not here to talk about Pixar. We're here to talk about the Disney movies that were released during this time. So let's start. Um, well, Fantasia 2000, I think, actually was released at the end of 99, wasn't it? Yes, it was. You're quite right. So, yeah, let's kick off with Fantasia 2000. Um, so Fantasia 2000, um, I don't think it's a particularly popular one for most people. Um, it kind of continues to build on Walt's original idea of kind of using music and image together. Um, it, it doesn't really, I don't know, if you give me a choice between the two, I definitely prefer the first one. I just find it a bit more traditional. Um, I love the whole Sorcerer's Apprentice scene. Um, there's nothing in Fantasia 2000 that really ever stuck in my mind. Mm. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I would agree with you. I guess for me, um, Fantasia 2000, I mean, I don't particularly like either of the Fantasias um, in the form of like a movie, like mm. to sit down and watch it. Um, I did, I think I mentioned in our Golden Era episode, I did go to the Royal, Royal Albert Hall and watch like a live in concert um, rendition of Fantasia and they did have some Fantasia 2000 segments in there as so. well and actually seeing it in that format made me really appreciate I think I loved I love the music but then I kind of I don't really feel necessarily that the animation adds anything to that you can appreciate this music without watching cartoons mm. alongside it um my favorite section I think of Fantasia 2000 is probably like the modern version of The Sorcerer's Apprentice, if you will, is the Donald Duck Noah's Ark sketch mm. where he is in the role of Noah and he's got to get all of these animals into the ark and it's that... Da, 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 yeah, da, I know. You, know the one. you know what I mean. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I quite like that. I, the Flamingo's yo-yoing is probably the most iconic kind of image if I think of Fantasia 2000. Mm. I think of all of the flamingos in a line. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's not much more to say. I think it's quite interesting that Disney decided to do this. Like, obviously it was very much because it was turn of the century and it was like an homage to Walt's vision, as you said, but with Fantasia being so unsuccessful for them commercially, it is, I guess they were coming off the back of the Renaissance. They thought they were indestructible. Yeah. I mean, it is, it's quite interesting as well that it is, it is the first film of the experimental era because Fantasia was quite an experimental film in its day. It was completely unique it had never been done before so it kind of makes complete sense that this would be the first film not that they thought like oh now we're entering our experimental phase <laughs> <laughs> but it makes sense now looking back on it that this is the first film of this era definitely definitely and um, we should probably caveat as well um before we move on to kind of the more mainstream movies if you like in this period that the experimental era is sometimes referred to as the post-renaissance and it is also sometimes referred to <laughs> as the second dark age. Yeah, uh, you'll you'll come to see why in a second. <laughs> um, so next up we have dinosaur. Um, I'll be honest, I 
I think I've seen Dinosaur like at a friend's house and it's been on in the background. Mm. I've never sat down and watched it myself and I have no intention to you do so. You miss it out, it's great. <laughs> no. Really? I actually quite like Dinosaur. Um, it's one, I remember my dad taking me and my sister to see it at the cinema when it first came out. Um, and the animation style is very different for it. Um, I think it's the first time that they really kind of use mostly commu- computer animation um, for the dinosaurs, but then a lot of the backgrounds are actually live action. So it kind of looks very realistic but then it got a lot of critical um a lot of people critiqued it because they obviously had like this very realistic looking background set as it were but then you've got these talking dinosaurs which is completely unrealistic um i actually quite like it i would like to go back and watch it again um i don't think the storyline is that great um it kind of follows do you actually know what happens i know that there's some like lemurs Yes, there's a dinosaur that gets brought up by lemurs. And I know that there's a meteor shower. And the main character, I can visualise his face. And I know there's like a feminine version. Yeah. What's his name? Aladar. I don't know that I would have got that. No. I I honestly can't take anything about this My favourite thing about that film is the opening sequence where you have the egg the dinosaur egg and it gets like you follow it and it gets snatched out of the dinosaur nest and then taken and I think maybe that's how it ends up with the lemurs I can't really remember but they have that piece of music which I love called the egg travels and it always reminds me they always used to play outside California Adventure in Anaheim and it just reminds me of my holidays there so I do I love it for that reason yeah it brings a lot of happy memories I can definitely I don't know that I've watched that sequence but I can definitely visualize um the the dinosaur in the egg like half cracked yeah like where it's kind of open and you can see I've definitely seen that image from that film but um yeah I love that piece of music I'm just thinking about it now I'll have to give it a listen you know how I love a piece of music yeah it's great it builds it lifts you'd love it great I'll give it a listen um next up um we have got the emperor's new groove so this was um you know very similar I guess in the same sort of vein as some of the renaissance movies it was based obviously on the very famous fable the emperor's new clothes but set in kind of mayan peru is it is it peru i, I, think, I don't even know i think so is that kind of like inca mining? yeah inca am i being like really disrespectful no <laughs> i don't know no, where right i think it's like peru or something yeah yeah um and obviously yeah they've gone from lemurs to llamas um what did you used to think of emperor's new groove growing up um i think i only saw it once growing up but then i watched it again a couple of months ago because my husband bought it for me on dvd because it's one of the ones that are missing from my collection so we rewatched it um it's quite funny it's not it's nothing to write home about it's not as bad as I thought it was it's just again it's just it's not a very strong story like I quite like the characters I quite like the storyline it would be nice if there was a bit of music in it it's just it's okay and which I feel is the theme with a lot of these films um yeah I just it doesn't there's nothing significant about it really like it doesn't resonate with me there's nothing that stands out about it it's just a bit of a meh 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 I kind of yeah I agree with you I had I have a friend called Laura well Tash and I were both friends with Laura she, I believe she was in attendance for Finding Nemo uh, she back, was. back in the day um, and she would be mortified if she heard this because she is not a Disney fan but when I was very small she really liked Dinosaur and Emperor's New Groove and I feel like i that's the only reason that I watched these films was because she liked them. Um, Emperor's New Groove, I watched it, as I say, as a kid and I didn't really like it that much. I had a similar thing to you, so when I was kind of building up my Blu-ray collection, it's like, oh yeah, I need to get Emperor's New Groove, probably watch this again. Um, and then I think on upon second watch as an adult, I was like, okay, it's not as bad as I thought. Mm-hmm. But as a child who, as much as it pains me to say, is kind of the audience that these movies are targeted towards I had zero interest in yeah. that film I just it didn't there was nothing aspirational about it to me um no one really kind of went on like a big life-changing journey like you've got 
I guess it's a bit like Beauty and the Beast, really. Like, you've got this sort of prince figure who gets taught a lesson by being put into the form of, like, a lesser being, as it were, and then they kind of go on this self-discovery journey and then they get to become, like, a prince or a king or an emperor or whatever at the end again, but it's missing the love story, it's missing the amazing soundtrack. So it just kind of falls flat a little bit. It's one of those films as well. I remember, even though we were only 10 when it came out, I remember... The, at the trailer for it was really funny and it's one of those films where they put all the best bits in the trailer I hate that I hate that too but I vividly remember it was like that and then watching the film it was like oh Ralph breaks the internet I am looking at you yeah uh, <laughs> next up we have Atlantis the Lost Empire um I loved Atlantis when really? I was younger oh my god like now obviously I'm like yeah it's alright I loved it. Did you? I loved Kida. I think I had a bit of a crush on her. Uh-huh. <laughs> she's amazing. I think she's quite underrated. It's a shame that she's not really, like, she's not a presence anywhere now, is she? She's no. a bit of an underrated. But... And Milo. I mean, of course I love Milo. It's Michael <laughs> J. Fox. Michael J. Fox. Of course I yeah. love him. Um, yeah, Atlantis for me, again, it was another one that my dad took my sister and I to see at the cinema and... I remember liking it at the time, but as I've got older, it's one of the ones that has just kind of fallen behind. There's nothing that stands out about it for me. I don't particularly have an affiliation with any of the characters or the storyline. Like, I've said it before, for me, a lot of the Disney films, obviously, I love a good storyline, but it's all about the soundtrack with me, and that is what these films are lacking. Mm, There's no musicality, I think. I think, for me, with Atlantis, one of the reasons that I really liked it, um, and I spoke about this a little bit in some of the bronze movies as well, is because it was on Disney Channel an an (laughs) awful lot. Um, This one, actually, wasn't even on Disney Channel. It was on Toon Disney, which is, like, the B side of the Disney Channel world. Um, But, yeah, they'd often put Atlantis on Disney Channel so I think I just watched it a lot and then I don't know I do really like some of the characters like you know the little French like mole guy and then like Audrey and I I do I actually quite like it I mean yeah it's not terrible I mean it was I guess it was their first kind of real like sci-fi film Mm, um yeah and yeah it's done quite well but, I mean, there's a reason why... Apparently, I read somewhere that there was meant to be... There was plans for, like, an underwater attraction at Disneyland. And then, because of the lack of interest in the film and how, you know, badly it did, they cancelled it almost immediately. Yeah. But then it's kind of a shame when they do that. Because I feel like a lot of these films do kind of get less behind. Whereas I feel like if you did watch it now... And I think that's the same with a lot of these films. And the same with The Bronze Age, actually. Maybe you can appreciate them more. I don't know. So you're saying if there was a, a bit more vintagey. Okay, so if there was a water attraction at Disney of Atlantis, people would have more of an affiliation. People might revisit it. Right, exactly. Yeah. Whereas actually, as kind of new generations come in, they'll forget. They'll forget about this film, and it just gets brushed under the carpet. It's a little bit like um, at Universal Hollywood. Sorry, it's not Disney, but it's the only kind of. Thing I can think of that's similar, but the Waterworld stunt show. Yes. <laughs> so that stunt show is incredible. It's probably one of the best shows I've seen at any theme that park show. ever. And they'd kind of like commissioned this show before the box office numbers were out about the movie Waterworld. Obviously, Waterworld did terribly. <laughs> Um, in the box office but they'd spent so much money on this show they were like we have to keep it and ironically the show has been really really successful and it's been there for like 20 odd years yeah and they won't get rid of it because it's so so popular but the movie actually did really badly but I came away from that like because my boyfriend Chris was like how have you not seen Waterworld and I was like why would I have seen it he was I've like never seen it. no he had seen it which is strange um but then of course he came away like oh we should go watch it so I guess in a similar kind of thing to what you're saying like, if there was this Atlantis attraction that was incredible, maybe, like, yeah, generations to come would be more inclined to go back and revisit some of these movies, for sure. Definitely. Um, but, yeah, I, I really liked Atlantis growing up, but obviously, as an adult, looking at it critically, I can see that it's... No good. No. <laughs> um, okay, moving on to 100% my favourite movie in this entire sham of an era, uh, Lilo and Stitch. Um 
my sister who did our ahana segment a couple of episodes back obviously um ahana is named for this movie as well um kind of expressed how much she loved stitch growing up and um lila and stitch obviously being released in the early noughties my sister was born in 2000 so she was like prime age for some of these movies um and really has an affiliation with that character of stitch i think one of the other reasons as well growing up that my sister and i really liked it was because we it was definitely the first time I had ever seen two sisters depicted on screen with such a big age gap. Um, and we really resonated with that and how, you know, Nani kind of mothers Lilo almost. Um, that was definitely something that I kind of watched and thought, wow, this is just like mine and Morgan's relationship. And we joke about it now. We say it's us and everything like that. Um, obviously, Tash has mentioned one of the main things that's really lacking from this whole era is soundtrack. And you've got that incredible Elvis Presley music in Lilo and Stitch, which I really feel elevates it. It sounds like such a strange concept, doesn't it? It does. Yeah, I completely agree. But it just it works. And I don't know why it works, because it is right in the middle of all these terribly <laughs> terrible stories and it, but it, it, you're right yeah. it should it shouldn't work do you know what i think part of the thing was i was thinking about this earlier the marketing for it was very clever because do you remember they had those trailers and they kind of intercepted so you had beauty and the beast for example and you saw them in the ballroom and it looked like it was a trailer for beauty and the beast and then all of a sudden stitch would come crashing in yeah and i think the way they did it they did it with a lot of films from the renaissance period well it was those and the, it think, was the it was the big four of the yeah, renaissance. yeah it was the little mermaid beauty and the beast aladdin and lion yeah. king and i think by doing that i think that immediately kind of struck everyone's interest and kind of made you think like ah, actually, this is kind of related to these great films. Yeah, I, I think you're right, actually. I, I completely forgot that those trailers existed, but you're right, it is all about the trailer. Another movie as well that came out a little bit after some of these films um, was Enchanted, which obviously mixed live action with animation, but I remember um, the trailers for Enchanted being incredible as well, and like really hooking you in. So I think you're right. I think they definitely spent a lot of money kind of really trying to market Lilo and Stitch, and, and looking back on it retrospectively, Respectively, they were obviously aware that some of these subsequent movies that have been released after the Renaissance were failing. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think that's a really good point that you raised. Definitely. I love the look of it as well as well. I mean, I love the whole thing that it's set in Hawaii and like you say, the Elvis Presley soundtrack as well. And um, they kind of go back to using watercolour again, which they hadn't done for, you know, years and years, I think, since the very early films. Um, but yeah, it's just, it is a great film. Again, like you say, I love the kind of dynamic it's the first time that we see just two sisters no parents no love interest again I mean it's not the first time that we see that but it's nice to kind of have it's more of a relationship between two sisters than it is kind of a prince and a princess or two animals or whatever um and then you've got Stitch who is this kind of destructive but very lovable force who kind of comes in um yeah I, I think it's out of all these all these films I don't know if it's my favourite from this era but I do very much like this film yeah it's definitely my favourite from the era and again kind of going back to what you were saying about Atlantis about this presence in the parks Stitch has a massive yes. massive massive presence in the Disney parks and I think that's why you know generations love Stitch whether or not they've seen Lilo and Stitch the film they just really have an affili affiliation with this character and an affinity to, to him yeah I mean we spoke about this again a little bit before when we did Ohana with your sister um, he's very easy to market Stitch isn't he you can slap him on a bit of merchandise and he's very very easy to sell yeah definitely ugly cute which I love yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah I don't have too much more to say on Lilo and Stitch really it was instantly a classic for me um, there's, there's just so many quotable lines obviously you've got the Ohana means family family means nobody gets left behind but then even the you know at the beginning Padge is a fish if I gave him tuna I'd be an abomination <laughs> like I just I really do love Lilo and Stitch it's probably one of my favorite Disney movies of all time and it's definitely my favorite in this era for sure moving on to <laughs> treasure planet wow oh how the mighty have fallen how the mighty have fallen as well um Treasure Planet, out of all these films, was the biggest fail, the biggest box office loss. Um, I have to be honest, I actually don't know if I've ever seen Treasure Planet. Um, no, I have definitely seen it. I remember going to see it when it came out, but it's one that I've only seen at the cinema once, and there's obviously a reason for that. It was terrible. So, <laughs> so we spoke last week about how... Um, 
forget which movie it was now, but there was a movie in the Renaissance, your parents didn't take Hercules. Hercules, yeah. And that was the first time your parents kind of stopped taking mm-hmm. you to every single Disney movie. My family, um, as I mentioned in that episode, took me every every year, every two years, whenever these Disney movie came movies came out, we would go and get preview tickets at Disney Store. And then I mentioned in that episode that there was one movie where we stopped going and this was it. <laughs> so we, we just stopped with Treasure Planet. And I actually really remember the discussion with my mum of her actually saying do we want to see this? I, I remember it like... I, <laughs> no. No, we don't. No, I remember... Um, yeah, I remember we just made the executive decision not to bother, so I didn't see it at the cinema. The first time I watched it, I must have been about 22, mm-hmm. and um, I had made the conscious decision to go through and watch all of the Disney films that I hadn't watched. So, you know, I'm talking, like, things like Mr. Ichabod, uh, Ichabod Mr. Crane and Mr. Yeah. Toad, like, Melody Time, Make My Music, you know, all the kind of wartime classics that aren't really classic (laughs) and then some of these random experimental movies too that just for some reason there was a bit of a gap um it's awful yeah there's i just (laughs) i have nothing more to say i don't like any of the characters the narrative's weak jim is you know he's the worst protagonist of all time i don't like it it's one of those (laughs) films as well it's not it's not become like vintage or culty now in kind of the way I think at the time, like, The Black Cauldron, um, which was obviously in the first Dark Age, um, was terrible at the time. But actually now you meet people and they're like, I love The Black Cauldron. I have never, ever met anyone that even likes Treasure Planet. (laughs) (laughs) It is the worst, worst, worst Disney film I can think of. And, you know, Jim, the the worst thing about him is his little ponytail. (laughs) I, I just, I don't know what's going on there. Um, and there's that weird like captain guy with the head like and the pink thing oh just the strangest mix yeah. of characters and I believe Treasure Planet is based on Treasure Isle it must be I think so uh, but I, I'm not even sure to be honest because it's so it's such a reach um I I honestly I'm gonna put my hands up here this is bold one but I think I'm gonna say Treasure Planet is my worst Disney film of all time of all of the Disney I probably have to agree with that even though I've only seen it once I'm I'm actually gonna go back and revisit it just to see if my opinions change although I'm very doubtful on that it's kind of to me it does kind of remind remind me of Atlantis but at least Atlantis has got that kind of fantastical element of the crystals and the power and it being this forgotten city it's it is it's like a really stripped back version of that with no glamorous white haired Mm -hmm. female to ogle over I actually remember when it came out at the time or a few years after it came out I always used to get the two confused yeah they they are I put them in the same they're like brothers those films yes or like distant cousins they're definitely (laughs) relatives yeah Yeah, I would agree with you Um, I would say Emperor's New Groove is probably like a second cousin to those two as well they're kind (laughs) of in the same vein with these like kind of unconventional male heroes that go on these quests that no one actually really cares about Um, should we move on let's so next up Brother Bear I actually think Brother Bear is a very underrated film. I would say it's a toss-up between Lilo and Stitch and Brother Bear for this period. For me, I love Brother Bear. I love the soundtrack. I love the story. Love the old Phil Collins soundtrack. Um, Love the characters. Love the setting. I just really like this film. Uh, No. (laughs) I disagree. Um... Before we started this episode, actually, I turned to Tash and I went, don't you really like Brother Bear? She went, yeah, I love it. And I really remember you liking it. I did. I didn't, I do. I didn't like it. I think you need to rewatch it. Maybe. I just, I think, I again, you know, I've only watched it a handful of times and I can still picture that, you know, tell everybody I'm on my way. So the yeah. music's good. Great. But then you know where would it be without that because i think it's pretty <laughs> average anyway with that soundtrack yeah and um, i guess i like the idea it's, um i guess it's very similar to brave actually brave definitely copied it in some way yeah it is really isn't it i mean yeah so it's a it's a guy and his brother gets killed by a bear so then he in turn goes and kills that bear and then gets turned into a bear and then it needs to go to um he needs to make his way to the top of some mountain in order to be turned back and then he meets 
Coda, who's this very cute little oh, bear. Oh, duh. <laughs> um, and then along the way, they make some friends, and then it all becomes clear that the bear he killed was Coda's mum. Um, and that's just a very sad scene when you realise that Coda's mum's died. Um, yeah, I, I, but yeah, it, it is quite similar to, I mean, the underlying story, isn't it? Is, you know, see through someone else's eyes. Yes. Yeah. yeah yeah so i guess in that sense it's a better way of getting that message across than say something like the emperor's new groove yeah um but it's it's a completely different i mean the animation style even it goes back to these kind of more traditional animal you know fox and the hound um jungle book it is kind of falls for me into the same sort of category as those in terms of how it looks it you can tell it's not meant to be a silly comedic version of that tale in the same way that you know when Kuzco gets turned into llama it's clear that it's you know a bit tongue-in-cheek and a bit silly whereas this is yeah much more serious the pacing and everything of it is different um yeah I probably um sorry I just like whistled through this pen that I'm holding (laughs) um I probably do need to go back and watch it again but I only watched it as I say a handful of times when I was younger but I, I just wasn't interested in it no was it it was another animal one wasn't it so and I think as well what year did this one come out it came out I think was it 2003 or 2004 okay because I'm thinking I'm just trying to put my head back into 2003 that. right so I'm 12 do you know what I mean so I'm kind of rebelling a little bit I remember going through a period around that sort of age and thinking I don't like pink anymore I like purple because it's a more acceptable version of pink and I'm grown up and I don't have pink things anymore um I quit ballet around that sort of time as well because ballet's for babies we were teenagers weren't we of course you know we were serious teenagers so I think for me it's probably a bit of like oh, talking bears as well so yeah maybe I need to go back <laughs> I actually think I went it. to the cinema to see it twice you know wow yeah you didn't go with me no I didn't who'd you go with I went with a friend from school and I went with my dad nice yeah anyway moving on next up Home on the Range. <laughs> Actually, this might be my worst film from this period. I would say it's my worst film from this period too, except I've never watched it. <laughs> and guess what? I have absolutely no desire to. I remember being a teenager yeah. um, and going to Churchill Square, which is like the big shopping centre in Brighton. And we used to have a Disney store a long, long time ago. And I remember being in town with you and they had all of the like cardboard cutouts and merchandise from Home of the Range and both of us just being unimpressed, like this looks terrible. Yeah, it's weird because it I remember it being very, very heavily promoted and I remember everywhere you looked you saw it. And Alan Menken did the score and obviously he's done all of the greats. You've also got a very strong voice cast for this. So you have people like Hugo Gooding Jr., Judy Dench, Steve Buscemi. But it's just a terrible film. And again, it's I think it's the same with all of these films. Like they were trying their hand in, you know, new animation styles and different things and new ways of storytelling. And they're just weak stories. Mm, yeah, I mean, I have... I have, as I say, when I was about 21, 22, I did make a conscious effort to go and watch all the ones that I hadn't watched. So I... I have tried to watch this, but it was very much, like, on my laptop whilst I was flipping in between, like, yeah. Facebook and stuff and being very easily distracted. Yeah. Um, I don't like the kind of goofiness of it. Um, and it, I don't know, it's hand-drawn animation, but I think because it is this kind of, like, almost comedy cartoon... It doesn't, for me, have the same gravitas as some of these other movies, like Brother Bear, as we've just described, and I'm not sure I'm articulating myself very well, but the bears are drawn like you would draw a bear if you were sketching it out in front of you. It's a very kind of true illustration, whereas these cows have got this real kind of comedy look about them. You've got the farmer who, you know, looks like a real comedy sort of aggressor. There's no... I don't know what it is. They don't look like Disney cows to me. They look awful. Uh, Do you know what? I agree. I think if you looked at a picture of that film now, you'd say that's DreamWorks or something. Yeah. It doesn't look... No, it doesn't look like Disney's, like, 
yeah disney quality disney magic you know think of a disney cow and i think of the cow from the aristocats i think of you know clarabelle yeah exactly well actually these cows don't look that dissimilar from someone like clarabelle actually but again she's done in a very specific you know disney if they're drawing a mouse they draw like bernard and bianca they don't actually draw mickey for something like a a long full-length animation and i think for me the style was a little bit too wacky um just very quickly while um, tash touched upon dream works there we've obviously mentioned that pixar were producing a lot of really high top quality movies during this time but dreamworks were also doing the same so dreamworks um, in the 90s to kind of rival the renaissance period were doing a lot of hand-drawn animation like the prince of egypt the road to el dorado which some was successful but nothing on the you know in comparison to the scale of the disney renaissance movies but then i think they really found their way when it, they tapped into cgi animation and they of course produced some of the greats during this period such as shrek so disney didn't just have you know the likes of toy story and a bug's life to compete with they were also um competing with yeah things like shrek um i don't know anything about dreamworks Kung Fu Panda was later, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, Kung Fu Panda, How to Train Your Dragon, uh, Madagascar, they were all Madagascar, later. Madagascar, I think, was a similar sort of time. I would say that I was sort of late noughties, yeah. yeah. Yeah, oh, um, Ice Age as well. Oh, that yeah, was that was 20th Fox. century Yeah, Fox, that's right. Yeah, Ice Age came out around this time as well. So basically, for the first time ever, not only were Disney kind of failing with some of these awful experimental era movies, but there was a lot of competition. Um, yeah, we mentioned Don Bluth in the Renaissance era, with things like Anastasia but this was like on another scale another thing as well I know we're going completely off on a tangent as well here but a lot of uh, like our generation were very much I would say the Disney renaissance period because that is when we were kind of brought up and we were brought up on those films and then you get to kind of the experimental um era which was in the 2000s and remember like this is also when things like Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter really took off so they were kind of other things kind of vying for our our interest absolutely you know that could also be be a reason obviously they weren't the sort of you know competitors with disney but in a way you know they were kind of drawing our interest from disney into this whole new kind of you know mystical magical world absolutely and i think that um you know, think you're absolutely right, but also, you know, we spoke a little bit about Disney Disney Channel coming out, but also Nickelodeon, Cartoon Network, these other sort of um, cable TV channels were starting to arise. So, you know, for somebody like my sister that was born in 2000, who wasn't alive during the Renaissance period, they really needed to do something to kind of wow that generation. And unfortunately, I think they failed. I don't think my sister would have watched any of the movies, with the exception of Lilo and Stitch, that we've spoken about so far. Um, um, she was much more interested in, you know, Barney the Dinosaur, the Tweenies and things like Shrek. So, yeah, while we're talking about my sister, she's definitely seen at least one of the, one other of these movies, actually, because we took her to the cinema to see it. And that was our next movie, Chicken Little. Um, well, we went to see that together. So I think we know what each other's opinions are. <laughs> on that. I vividly remember taking your sister to go and see this. This film, for me, obviously, it's kind of loosely based on a classic fable um of the same name um this film is just completely all over the place i remember watching it and being like what the hell is going on so it kind of follows the traditional tale loosely of the sky's falling down and then aliens come into the mix and it's oh yeah this is again storytelling just gone all over the place if you ask me it's kind of like i don't know were they trying to appeal to specific audiences by putting ufos and all and aliens in it and just it's almost like they were trying to see how much they could cram into one film yeah i think for me one of the biggest issues with chicken litter was the animation style so obviously disney were still doing hand-drawn animation um with pretty much everything we've discussed with maybe the exception of dinosaur um so this was kind of really the first one i guess where it was entirely computer generated and it's just not okay. Mm-hmm. Like if you compare it to um, Finding Nemo and Cars and some of the other anim- computer animated movies that were coming out during this time, the standard um, of the animation and the quality is just not there. Um, and in addition, you've got weak characters, weak narrative, so it can't even kind of be forgiven. Um, I just really don't like that that animation style at all. Um, 
it's just it it looks cheap yeah i agree i mean again it, it goes with the whole experimental thing you know as you say it was the first um you know film that they had fully you know done on done with computer animation um so obviously it's not going to look as good as it was now but i completely do know what you mean i just feel like I feel like that film was kind of released to kind of test the waters of computer animation and see how it went. Yeah, I agree with you. Like, I think if you look back at some of the early Pixar stuff now, like Toy Story and Bugs Life, it's worlds apart from some of the really beautiful animation that they're creating now. But you can see that it it still tests the time more so than, say, something like Chicken Little. And Chicken Little was maybe 10 years older than Toy Story. Yeah. So for me... And and it was never good. Like, it's not like it's just aged badly. I remember going to the cinema and thinking, this is ugly to look at. It wasn't visually appealing. Um, I I don't have anything else. I actually dislike this more than Treasure Planet. (laughs) This is my worst (laughs) film in this list. Every time we talk about one, I'm like, actually, no, this is my worst. Yeah, I really... Oh, do you know what else... (laughs) (laughs) do you know what else as well it's really silly but another thing that really annoys me about this movie was chicken little's dad's chin is it like a proper chicken chin it looks like a male's nether regions (laughs) but in i can't read a picture i'm gonna have to google image it like a guy's just got a really hot bath and it's like (laughs) folded him it's horrible lovely image i just remember thinking chicken lit was a bit annoying as well yeah the character like you want to you want to fall in love with your main hero and you can't (laughs) no no and there was his friend you know abigail gabble that's from the aristocats i don't know what she's called (laughs) lucy goosey she's got those big teeth you know and she's oh gosh yeah i don't like this film let's move on um Next up, we have Meet the Robinsons. So again, this was another computer animated movie um, that the Disney company had decided to produce. I would say in terms of animation style, this is on par with Chicken Little. I think it's a really cheap, rough around the edges CGI that doesn't look polished and unfortunately hasn't stood the test of time. That said, I really like this film. I actually have a confession. I've never seen this film. I don't blame you because... I mean, especially after we went to see Chicken Little, why would you? You'd expect more of the same. Um, And as I say, looking at it, it doesn't look particularly exciting. The animation style's not all that. The main protagonist, he, you know, he's got that really spiky hair Mm. and doesn't look particularly likeable. I don't know why, but there we are. Um, Can't remember his name, actually. That's really going to bug me. That's how long it's been since I watched it. But yeah, I I hadn't watched it either. Um, And then I watched it when, again, when I was kind of building my Disney Blu-ray collection, um, I thought, ah, Meet the Robinsons, that's one that I don't have. Um, So I ordered it. I actually got it for free. Uh, Do you remember Disney Movie Rewards? No. They were amazing. They stopped doing them about five or so years ago. So every time you um, bought a Disney Blu-ray, you would get a little code in the sleeve um i think the disney dvd oh, is the same yeah, yeah yeah and then you'd go on to disney movie rewards and lo- load the code in and then when you had like five codes or whatever a certain amount of points um you would then be able to get a free film of your choice so i did that got meet the robinsons i was like i've never watched it so i'll give it a go i really like it it's a very strange narrative but it's got a really lovely message that i think is yeah really really nice um a lot of family values in there um it also again um you know this idea of experimenting and things like fantasia 2000 where they wanted to pay homage to waltz and the whole kind of message of this movie is keep moving forward and it's taken from a walt disney quote and they they show you the quote at the end of the movie and you think oh what a lovely quote and then it just comes up at the bottom saying Walt Disney and you're like oh my gosh I didn't realize that he said that and that's what the whole film is about it's about science and the future they live in this kind of dystopia it's not really a dystopia it's like a utopian future um that kind of I think is reminiscent of what Walt Disney wanted Epcot to be Mm -hmm. um it's like this community where everything's very efficient and technologically advanced and science is kind of the key to everyone's life I'm really not selling this film if someone explained this to me I'd be like don't ever let me watch that 
because it sounds boring as hell. Um, and I did. I had really low expectations of this film, like the lowest possible expectations, as it does come directly after Chicken Little. But it's great. It's really nice. I wouldn't say it's one of my favourites, but it's definitely worth a watch because um, it's a really surprising one. Yeah, I will go back and revisit it for sure. For sure. So next up takes us to our final film of this period. Thank God. <laughs> um, and 2008 with Bolt. Um I didn't see this when it first came out. It was a few years after it was released. I think got it on DVD one Christmas. Um, again, I do like this film. I think it's a lot better than some of the previous releases. Um, yeah, it's... I don't know. I, I like the storyline. I think it's quite strong. So it's obviously this dog who's kind of this TV star who believes that he actually is he has all these superpowers and things and then his owner gets kind of goes missing and he kind of makes it his mission to save her um and obviously you've got the vocals of um john travolta as bow and then you've got miley cyrus as penny the owner um and i just i think it finishes this era quite nicely it's kind of the light at the end of the tunnel um it's still not great but it's kind of it shows more promise, I feel. Yeah, I would agree with you. I think it's a really nice way to conclude the experimental era because it definitely, I mean, commercially, it did a lot better than most of these movies did. And um, so it is, as you say, the light at the end of a very long and dark, twisted tunnel. Yes. Um, my sister loved Bolt. Um, again, you know, she was prime age for this. She was a little girl and it came out. I think because of that, I had a lot of teenage angst and kind of refused to watch it because it was like her favourite film um, and she would have it a lot. Uh, she'd have it on TV a lot. But yeah, I mean, I have seen um, the movie since then, subsequent years later as an adult. And yeah, I totally agree with you. It's not one of my favourites, but it's definitely... Um, you know, just the character development. You've got the little gerbil that lives in the little hamster wheel, hamster in the hamster wheel, whatever it is, I don't know. Um, yeah, gerbil, you can have a gerbil in a hamster wheel. Um, and the cat and the kind of the relationship between those different animals is really interesting, the dynamic that they bring, um, which is great. Um, musicality is still something that is really, really lacking from this era that did um, get picked back up in subsequent years later, thank goodness. But yeah, I would definitely agree. And most importantly, I think the um, the CGI animation in this movie is strong, mm. like a lot stronger than Meet the Robinsons. I would agree with that. And um, Chicken Little, it looks like a completely different company has actually created this film. So I think for me, visually, Bolt is a step in the right direction. And I guess for me, I guess that's one of the most important things because I think I just get switched off if I don't like the look of something um, when it comes to animation. Um, so, yeah, I would agree with you. I do like Bolt. And I think that, yeah, it's a really nice way to conclude the era. So, Tash, do you have any kind of <laughs> lasting thoughts for this period of Disney? It's terrible. It is bad, <laughs> isn't it? No, I think, I think there are... There are a few films in it that are not to be sort of overlooked. Lilo and Stitch, Brother Bear, Bolt. Um, so I don't think everything released in this era was terrible, but I think obviously, you know, it was a time, if you look from one film to another, they were very much experimenting with hand-drawn animation, watercolour, computer animation, um, using, you know, real back, real yeah, live-action backgrounds. Like, they were kind of... It's almost like they had, again, lost their way a bit and they were kind of trying to find their feet a little bit. Obviously, you just had the Renaissance, which did incredibly well. And then someone made the decision to think that, uh, you know, we're going to move away from fairy tales and start telling some other kind of stories. Um, obviously, it didn't work. It's just a shame that it took them eight years to realise. Um, but then, obviously, I appreciate these films take a long time to make and they've been in the pipeline for a while. But, um, yeah, it's... I'm glad that they kind of realised their error of their ways yeah, and got their act together. Definitely. I think that what probably happened, um, this is just kind of my take on it, but as we've discussed, you know, 20th Century Fox, DreamWorks, these other big players were arriving in the movie scene with computer animation. Obviously, Disney could see the commercial success that Pixar was having for them, and they knew that they needed to step into the 21st century, literally, with computer animation. So I guess for them, they hadn't found that perfect niche area that they did, you know, do so successfully in subsequent years, which we'll talk about next week. Um, and they kind of, I guess they were kind of like, ah, computer animation, 
sci-fi, dinosaurs, you know, science and all this kind of stuff, when actually all they needed to do was up their animation style, but then keep those fairy tale narratives, keep the beautiful music, keep those colourful characters that we've come to love. Um, which, yeah, as we say, they did finally tap into in the revival era of Disney, which is what our episode is going to be all about next week. We're now going to move on to the next segment of our episode, Ohana. Ohana means family. Family means nobody gets left behind. So as we've mentioned in previous weeks, Ohana is the segment where we get to interview a friend or family member about their relationship with the Walt Disney Company. So this week, we welcome Dan. Hello. So Dan, would you like to let the listeners know a little bit about yourself? Yes, um, I'm Daniel. I'm a big Disney fan. Um, and yeah, my whole family is, and we're a very big Disney family. I think our house actually, people kind of come in and have a look around with it's like a little Disney museum, which I love. I remember using the toilet actually in your house, and you have like the castles, yeah, like really beautiful pictures of the castles in your toilet. I really oh, remember wow. that, it's really lovely. Yes, yeah, so I think my mom, it was years ago, she took a picture of the Cinderella's Castle and Walt Disney World and then Paris so like slowly it's everything's creeped in our house we have like a Nemo bathroom upstairs and the Peter Pan <gasps> snow globe amazing. so yeah. Yeah, it kind of reminds me a little bit of your dining room. You know, yeah. your dad has all of your snow the globes. globes. Yeah. 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 So yeah. Cool. So you mentioned your family there, kind of the reason that you got into Disney. Um, I always think your mum's name is so cool. Yes. Yeah, so my mum's name, maiden name, is Wendy Bird which is literally named after the Wendy Bird in Peter Pan. My nan loved Peter Pan, and actually when they said it was Bird, she was like, has to be Wendy Bird. So my mum's always had that as the thing that always linked her to Disney. And then when she was a little girl, she remembers watching a Dumbo ride on Wonderful World of Disney on TV. And then so since then, she was like, when I'm older and I have children, I want to take them to Disney. And then luckily I was born just in time for Paris to open. So it was my mum's first big trip to a Disney park when I was barely one, I think. Yeah, there's a really lovely picture of you. You're wearing dungarees. And yeah. you've got like a blue Mickey Mouse balloon. Yes. Um, yeah, I love that picture. So do you want to let the listeners know a little bit about why you're on Ohana, how you know Tash and I? Yes, so uh, I went to university with you, Mercedes. Um, obviously met one of our very first weeks. Our hilarious story that... I had a Disney key ring. Mercedes came up to me very keen and said, oh, it's from Disneyland. And apparently I replied with, it's from Disney World. <laughs> and so I didn't start off to a great start. No, but then I was persistent. Amazing. I was persistent the next week. So this this was at practice. And the next week he was wearing a Bubba Gump Shrump t-shirt. Uh-huh. Trump? Bubba Gump Shrump. 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 <laughs> Shrump. Oh, God. Shrump. Yeah, we've had too much Trump in England this week. Um, yeah, Bubba Gump Shrimp t-shirt. So I was like, this is my second chance. We will be friends. We're destined to be And I, I got my wish in the Yeah, end. and then obviously we're very brother and sisterly in our ways. Obviously Tash comes as part of the magical package. Part of the package we've Mercedes. created. <laughs> yeah, yes. there we go. Kind of one without the other. Exactly. Um, so Dan, a bit more specifics. What are your favourite Disney films? Oh, um, it's hard. I think my absolute favourite and the one that has the most special place in my heart is probably Pinocchio. Um, not too sure why it is. Only when I got like a bit older that I started really. I used to love Peter Pan when I was little, um, but then for some reason, Pinocchio just really became special to me. It becomes this film that I'll watch whenever I'm feeling a bit sad or feeling like I just need like a bit of a comfort blanket. It's my kind of special place. But um, my second favorite would probably be Sleeping Beauty. I love all the animation and the Tchaikovsky music and just everything about it is so perfectly done and such a classy film. Um, and then guessing in the world of Pixar, as to that side as well, I love I love Wally. It's got a very dear place in my heart. But Inside Out is my favourite. Oh, I, I feel that. like sadness oh, sometimes. Yeah. yeah, you do embody sadness. I am sad. I'm, I'm fear. <laughs> yeah. And joy. You are That's joy. There we go. Tash is definitely joy. So following on from that, favourite characters? Do they come from these films, or do you have other favourite characters? Yeah, I think. I think favourite character probably is Pinocchio. I mean, I've got a lot of Pinocchio merch, like 
on a big shelf at home and I just love all the, the look as I've got a big old retro poster of him and ornaments and whatnot so yeah definitely Pinocchio is kind of my special little place in my heart or, or really Jiminy Cricket like Jiminy Cricket's my little there was it your conscience for your guys so. I always think of Jiminy Cricket as being like your favourite yeah for so sure I love, I've got a little um, ornament of him on my desk at work as well and one by my bed so yeah and a little conscience badge which I've got pinned to my light so. I feel like Jiminy Cricket is quite underrated actually oh totally it is, it's weird because he's actually used quite a lot we used yeah, to be used yeah. a lot in the parks like I remember when I was used to go to Florida when I was younger and on the back of the doors it'd be like how to be environmentally friendly and it's like Jiminy and then when Wishes used to be the big fireworks show in Magic Kingdom, he was the narrator. Mm. So I think they've kind of used to use him a lot, and then just recently he's gone mm. back again. But Yeah, I, I think so. And I think one of the reasons they probably used him so much is because, you know, When You Wish Upon a Star is such an iconic Disney song. Yeah, it's the ultimate song. Absolutely, yeah. and obviously he sings that. So you mentioned the fireworks at Magic Kingdom there. Um, yes. Which Disney parks have you visited? I have been to Paris, I've been to Florida, and I've been to California. So I've not done any of the Asian ones yet. Um, I would like to. I think Tokyo's my absolute top must-see because Disney Sea, especially, I think everyone's just raves about it as the best park in the whole world. So, yeah, no, I've, I've been everywhere. Which yeah. is, well, everywhere in the, the, in the western West. part of the world. <laughs> West, which yeah. one is your favourite resort? Like, rather than specific park, which okay, favourite resort? Favourite resort would probably be Disney World because it does feel like you are escaping. And mm. well, yeah, Paris is great. It's nice to pop over to. California was good, but because you are, I know you mentioned before, like you're so in the middle of like a parking lot on the street in hotels, you feel like you're kind of just like drifting into it whereas Disney World it's there you go through gates you're in your own little city it's it's yeah so self-contained I love it yeah yeah I mean um obviously Tash is sick of hearing about how amazing what Disney World is <laughs> although she may be going next yeah. year yeah I know very exciting yeah but yeah Walt Disney World is definitely my favorite resort and which park would you say specific park mm-hmm. is your favorite Epcot I'm literally obsessed with Epcot oh really it's ridiculous I mean when I was younger my my mum and dad really love it they love going to World Showcase and eating all the restaurants and uh, literally would spend a lot of evenings when we would go when we were younger just wandering around at night time watch illuminations then go back but I don't know I just love all the kind of like the retroness of it and when you, whenever they release any retro merchandise of like how they used to have the, the different pavilions in future world I used to love all of that iconography and the look of it all. Because I'm quite a designy visual person, I think it's just such a cool look. And like any any piece of merchandise with Spaceship Earth on it, I'm an absolute sucker for. I love it. <laughs> Definitely. I think like I think when you do go Tash, you'll really like Epcot as well. It's kind of it's a very relaxed atmosphere in the same way that California Adventure is, and mm. obviously. California Adventure is where they have the food and wine festival in California and then in Florida they have it in Epcot so the Disney company obviously see the parallels between those parks yeah. as well. Yeah and it's also like they have the soundtrack of it is very because it was all very 80s but they had a soundtrack when you first go into the parks and I just I listen to it all the time just like listen to the park music on a loop it's yeah, brilliant. It's really like isn't it? So do you have any unpopular Disney opinions? I have like two, um, I just, I've been racking my brain of what they are because I think you love so much that you forget what you hate. Okay, so unpopular opinion one, a movie one. Okay. Cars 2 is actually a very good movie. Ooh, interesting. Now, you're going to have to help me here. So Cars 2, is this the one with Michael Caine? Yes, yeah. where it's like a spy movie. But what's really bizarre is Cars 3 is literally the worst film I've ever seen in my life. It took me th- <laughs> and followed by The Good Dinosaur. The Good Dinosaur. Oh, God. <laughs> the worst Pixar movie ever but what's funny is whenever you see like rankings on BuzzFeed or any websites like that they always put Cars 2 as the very worst and and the reason they do it is because they say it doesn't fit in with the rest of the movie like Mm -hmm. Cars 1 and Cars 3 feel like the same movie they're about racing they're about like all of that world of being a car whereas Cars 2 is in his mad spy crazy events James Bond style and they don't even reference Cars 2 in Cars 3 even though it's set afterwards they like pretend it never happened it was a mistake but what I think is actually when people moan about it I'm like, actually I think what you can kind of tell has happened they had a really good idea for a story of this spy story and going around the world and actually Cars just lent itself probably because of merchandising and it lent and create new car characters but actually if you just take the fact that it's not cars away from it it's actually a really fun film and the comedy is really good and 
the characters are good so yeah I, I agree yeah I think if you do watch it like you said and you kind of just look at it as its own film yeah. and not part of the car series exactly. then you kind of change the way you watch it. You don't go in with kind of like a pre-idea oh. for it. So Because Cars 1 is so wholesome and it's yeah. c- like coming of age story and finding yourself and really like heartwarming. And Cars 2 is just like bombastic, loud, like what the hell? Like, yeah. It's all a bit manic, <laughs> but it works. Yeah, no, I don't disagree with you there actually. I actually haven't seen Cars 3. Oh. I haven't either. No, so we maybe we should do that together. Yeah, we should. Yeah. Here we are. And okay. my, my other unpopular opinion, because I can have two. Yeah, of course. My other unpopular opinion is I hate that so much merchandise, especially for men in like in the parks, but also out of always has either Grumpy, Eeyore or Tinkerbell. Yeah. And it seems to be they have these like four characters that are just chuck like Grumpy on every like men's bit of like clothing, like whatever. You're going, yeah, yeah. You're going to Primark. And you think, oh, like all the women's stuff is just really cool. Like, Mickey stuff, princess stuff, Toy Story stuff. I'm like... They have such good stuff for women in the men, the women's section. You go into the men's, they'll be like a grumpy T-shirt or boxers being like, don't make me grumpy. And like, <laughs> it's like, so true. I actually never thought about yeah. that, but that is what? so it's true. Really aggravating. I feel like you've actually created something there. I would say the car's opinion is definitely an unpopular opinion. I feel like this isn't even an unpopular opinion. This is maybe like a something we don't think about. Yeah. yeah a subconscious opinion or something. Because yeah. I totally agree with you, and I think most people would. Dan's actually got the most amazing blanket. Um, <laughs> it's from the Disney store, or Shop Disney as it's called now. Um, and it's part of the All My Disney range and a lot of that stuff is very kind of retro 90s definitely a, a millennials, millennials yeah. 100% um, I think I've mentioned before I've got a really cool notebook that's the original Beauty and the Beast VHS cover it's very much kind of playing on that millennial nostalgia um, and Dan's blanket is amazing it's all of the kind of outlines of the Disney prints and Disney heroes faces and I just thought oh my god how amazing because you're right there's so much princess stuff yeah. and there really isn't you know an, an equivalent for and you know that's not to say men can't have princess stuff yeah and about- um, Equally, I don't yeah. think there's obviously less men who will want to probably walk around wearing a Disney Prince t-shirt or mm-hmm. have very outlandish stuff. I'm like, be creative. Like, the fact that you look at websites like Boohoo and all of those and ASOS when they do really cool Mickey stuff or Uniqlo yeah. do, like, the best mm. Disney t-shirts yeah. ever. And yeah. people are doing it in an artsy way, in a clever way, in a fun way. Yeah. I don't know why it's always about, oh, here's some grumpy boxer shorts. Agreed. Like, yeah. No, I disagree. Yeah, I actually... I'm actually wearing a t-shirt right now from Zara, which is... Zara's, like... No. Zara's Zara like, do a lot of stuff yeah, at the moment with Disney. I Zara's like... My, yeah, companies. Zara's like my go-to shop, but mm. normally for, like, sophisticated evening wear. But then this t-shirt is of Percy from Pocahontas in the bath, the little pug, eating cherries... Um, and then it says like we're outside you ready and he's like yeah I'm coming but he's like wearing a shower cap and just not ready at all which is me <laughs> I love this kind of stuff they have got a lot of this in Zara at the moment I can't think of the other ones that I've seen but there's quite a lot I've got like, the caption yeah I've got a couple of them I've got one with all of the mermaids and oh, sorry, yeah, yeah and they're having like a whatsapp conversation oh yeah I've seen that one <laughs> so yeah I love it too and I think you're right I think that there is a real gap in definitely the, sort of, yeah, the male market but you could I mean you could wear this t-shirt maybe to start my own line of stuff yeah Yeah. there you go definitely okay so I think we're going to wrap it up there with our kind of interview questions for Dan but you cannot leave without a quick game of this or that (gasps) here we go here we go so Dan we're just going to fire some things at you and you've got to tell us which one you prefer great so Walt Disney World or Disneyland Paris Walt Disney World California or Disneyland Paris Oh, I think California. Mm, interesting. I would agree. Minnie or Mickey? Mickey. Churros or Dole Whip? Dole Whip. Epcot or Magic Kingdom? Epcot. Magic Kingdom or Animal Kingdom? Magic Kingdom. Woody or Peter Pan? Oh, that's a cruel one. I do like, <laughs> they're like my other favourite characters than Pinocchio. Um, uh, probably Peter Pan. Yeah. You sure about yeah, that? Yeah, final answer. Okay. Splash Mountain or Big Thunder Mountain? Oh, Big Thunder. I hate Splash Mountain. Do you? Yeah. I, that, oh, that's a very European. Mountain is like my favourite ride. What? I hate it. Do you hate Why? it because it's a water ride? I mean, yeah, I hate getting wet on rides. It's like my, literally, since I was a little kid, I remember hating it from Honey, I Shrunk the Audience when the dog oh, used to sneeze. Yeah. <laughs> and from that moment, I was like, I'm done with water on rides. <laughs> Freaks me out. Do you so, like the zippity doodah? 
Yeah, I guess. Like I like the, but I'm a bit like because it's really long as well. Like I know it's cut, and I don't really like the drop of the blue, uh-huh. and then be like soaked afterwards. So I'm like, I don't need some oh, life right it. now. I love it. I love it because it's a long ride. Uh, you feel like you're queuing and it's worth getting it. your money. Yeah, yeah it feels like 15 minutes long or something ridiculous. Yeah, I like it <laughs> Significant. too. Although I did mention in my California trip kind of story about I've never been so wet in my life. <laughs> my pants were wet. Oh my god. It was horrible. <laughs> Though I did, we yeah we, went, we had a Disney quiz the other day. I went to and they got the they asked a question about what land it's in and they got it completely wrong and I was like wrong no. and they got really annoyed with me there we Ooh. are okay so ignoring Splash Mountain then Space <laughs> Mountain or Big Thunder Mountain uh, which Space Mountain what one Ooh. Ooh. Oh. Yeah. let's go with your favourite um, resort so the Walt Disney World Space Mountain or the Walt Disney World Big Thunder Mountain oh, they're both so so good but I think Big Thunder is just a lot more funny makes me laugh yeah if you sit at the back and you face the back it's really good Sounds How do you weird. face the back? Just literally turn just around. turn around your seat and face the back of the okay. plane. Okay, I've never done that. I'm going to try it's, that It's really disorienting, time. but yeah. really funny. I think I'd <laughs> so like, do you like put head back? Yeah. <laughs> like uh. lean back? Okay, Goofy or Donald? Oh, Donald. Donald or Daisy? Oh... I love Donald, but Daisy's sassy. She's I love Daisy. The amount, the amount of like Instagram videos I see. There's yeah. that one where she's like strutting off stage, <laughs> and she like goes bam, bam, and she's like gets her leg up, and then she's like, I think if I was to be like a performer as a character in the parks, I think being Daisy would be like the funniest <laughs> thing. I don't know what really you're up. talking about. I assume you mean if you're friends with Daisy. If I'm friends with Daisy, <laughs> okay, you'd I think be sassy Daisy would be really sassy if I was friends with her. <laughs> I see what you mean. Okay, uh, what about Disney or Pixar? Oh, Disney. Definitely Disney. Yeah. yeah. I love Pixar massively, but Disney's, yeah, we'll still win. And final one. <gasps> oh. The Disney Renaissance or the Disney Revival? I think Renaissance. I think there's something so classic about all the films and you wouldn't get the ones today without the stuff from the past. So. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I think that's a really good, nice little analysis. And that's how we have to look at the experimental era. You know, if, you, if you didn't have all that rubbish exactly yeah. we, we wouldn't be where we are where we are now definitely well thank you so much for coming on the podcast it was a pleasure to thank have you thank you for having me it's it been was very fun indeed thank you very much make sure you tune in next week we will be talking about the final era of Disney animation the revival era remember you can follow us on Instagram at chat Disney or Twitter and our Twitter handle is at chat Disney UK Bye for now. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Goodbye now. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you. Goodbye.